And he said to the woman, Indeed, is this true? Really, is this true? Indeed, has God said you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? There's a big error there. Here it comes, a brand new day. But I don't know what will come my way. Rise or fall, your love will see me through it all. Opportunity and challenge like your word directs me to what's right. of new life your word oh god your word to me making me all that i need to be word oh god means the world to me the world to me good evening everyone my name is john and you're listening to a word with god and i'd encourage you to open your bibles as long as you're not driving to Genesis chapter 1. I think, yeah, we're right in Genesis chapter 1. This is well, a brand new series we're doing, Stan. Right. Actually, we're going to be in 2 today. At the end yes. of 2, maybe even the beginning of 3. Yeah, and we're starting a new series. We just started it last week, and you, the title that you gave to it was It's a Family Thing. Yeah. Right? Yeah, did you see the graphic for that? It's kind of a Godfather yes. thing going on, and, and it's kind of like... I want to do my impression, but it's not very good. So. No, probably not. <laughs> It's, it's like, though, but there's this, it's, it's, we're part of the family, yeah. and it's the family of Adam, and what was going on in his life goes on in our life, and uh, as his family was kind of messed up, mm-hmm. uh, so go our families. You know, it's funny, Stan, because when I think about the series that we're doing right now, I think it's very, uh, I think it's an important series to do, and, and yeah. the reason being is that family is what helps our church have unity, mm-hmm. it's I mean, you'd hear people say that that's one of the reasons why our country the way is is the way it is now, or you know how it used to be was because of the family. I've I've heard a lot mm-hmm. of people say, you know, if there's degradation in the family, yeah. or there's weakness in the family, especially when it comes to believers, that's going to affect every person in that family and their walk and and their testimony. Mm-hmm. Well, certainly, the family is under attack like like it has never been uh, before. I mean, certainly in our lifetime and in my lifetime, because I'm way older than you. Mm-hmm. You're just a young fella. Yep. But it is. Uh, it well, is comparatively speaking. Well, yeah. comparatively, yes. But I mean, it's it's something that um, it seems that the enemy has his his guns out and is trying to knock down. And we see that we see it affecting our children. We see that affecting, you know, husbands, wives, greater families. So now we have families that don't have, you know, their their grandparents aren't connected in. Parents are barely connected in. And so I really thought it was important to go back and see what are some of the major problems. If you read through Genesis, you just, I mean, we've already covered uh, in Genesis 4, there's murder. Right. In Genesis uh, 1 to 3, we have uh, blame shifting. We have complaining. We have, um, you know, Adam standing there as silent as a log while his wife's being uh, having wool pulled over of her, on her eyes, and then we have him singing like a canary, mm. uh, you know, when God's asking him what's going on. So, I mean, it is really a microcosm of everything that's been going that's going on today, and it's so relevant, you know, that uh, here in 2014, the very things that Moses was talking about have relevancy, and they really hit home 
and and really apply you know deeply to our lives. Well, and there's so many experiences that are that are squished into just a couple of chapters when oh. it comes to Genesis. Yeah, you know, I mean, you you read a couple of chapters, all of a sudden there's a flood. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of information in there that you know. There's a lot of history. Well, you know, let's get started into the message itself, and then at the end we'll go through some questions together. Okay. Before the fall, they were naked, open, transparent, nothing hindering, nothing in the way, and they were not confused about who they were. They were not disappointed in the relationship. They were not dejected from living and being together, having been one who became two, who have now become one. That is some of the most profound teaching that Scripture has in describing this relationship called marriage. Take it into the New Testament, and it will absolutely blow your mind away. Now, he's moving into chapter 3, disintegration of a relationship. I don't know how I'm going to preach this after a wedding, but anyway, we've got a wedding happening, and then we're going to talk about the disintegration of relationship between men and women. And, and uh, so you can pray for me in the next service. Now, he's moving the story along. The serpent was more crafty, shrewd, prudent, subtle than any beast of the field. I mean, there's smart animals, and then there's like my dog, smarter than all of them, probably about as smart as Larry's dog. Smart together. Well, there's, there's smart dogs and there's dumb dogs. And it's really not making him out to be anything more, this serpent, than an intelligent, somewhat intelligent animal. And here he, he's getting the story straight. And, and, uh, and he said to the woman, have animals talked before in the Bible? Not before this time, but they do talk later on. Who know, you know that one, Brandon, right? And who was that? Uh, yeah, Balaam had a donkey. Did do- donkeys normally talk? No. And, but they, he did in this case. God allowed this animal, spoke through this animal. I'm always surprised how both Balaam and Eve never bat an eye that an animal begins to talk to them. I would think if I was outdoors working away and, and a serpent came up and ta- started to talk to me, I would have some th- questions of my sanity but in both of these stories um, they don't seem to question it's like kind of like let's go with it and um, and he said to the woman indeed is this true really is this true indeed has God said you shall not eat from any tree of the garden there's a big error there huge error and the woman said to the serpent, and, and she's going to like set him straight here, from the fruit, from the produce of the trees of the garden, we may eat. She, she corrects him. So he engages her in this, and she's, she's filling him in. And it's always nice to be able to set somebody straight, isn't it? If they kind of ask a question, and you've got the answer, and, and he draws her in in this way. And the woman said to the serpent, from the tree of the garden, we we may eat, but, there's an exclusion, she gives more information. 
Satan's not omniscient. I don't know, did Satan really know at this point the whole deal? Had he observed this? Was he there and around when Adam got? Like, we just don't know. There's more parts of the story we don't know. But from the fruit of the tree, actually there were two trees. She's got a little error there, right? Okay, she's just a little bit off on the story. But from the fruit of the tree, which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it or touch it. She's off a little bit again there. She's not quite, and as we understand the story, if you go back, kind of think back through it, Adam was there, God was there, Eve hadn't been created yet. This is Adam's job as a teacher, and it doesn't sound like he's really done a good job, has he? She's got some things kind of out of place. Or, or you will die. The serpent said to the woman, being a little more astute, you surely will not die. And she wouldn't. If she touched the tree, just think, what are you going to do before you eat the fruit? You're going to touch the tree, right? If you think you're going to die when you touch the tree, because God has said you're going to die when you touch the tree, and you grab the tree, you grab the fruit from the tree, and you don't die, what does that lead you to believe then? That maybe the next piece is not accurate as well. See how important knowing who ever get into a place where you've been disappointed in God because you thought God should do something or act in a certain way and how that undermines your faith and your trust in God. And instead of reflecting back, was I wrong in my belief? We always put it over to God, don't we? Instead of saying, where was I wrong here? And if there's something going on and you think, why is God doing this? This shouldn't be how God acts. Go back to what your presumptions are about who God is and what he should do. Well, the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For, because, here's the real reason why, why, why you won't die. God knows that in the day that you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing, determining, discerning good and evil. God said death, not insight. See how far the serpent has slipped this right around? God says, do this and dying you will die. The serpent says, no, it's insight. God's holding back from you. God wants to keep a distance between you and him. And he knows if you take from the fruit of this tree that you will have a piece of the information only he has. Now at that point, man had never experienced sin. Man had never experienced evil. In fact, did not come into his mind, did not come into his thoughts, had to be introduced by someone outside. Hey everybody, Christmas is coming up and uh, surprise, surprise, we're going to have our Christmas Eve service on the 24th of December. We're going to have that on at 24th of December at 6 o'clock, and we're going to have, it's kind of an intimate setting that we're going to have for it. Love to see you out for it. If uh, you don't have a church that you're going to for Christmas Eve, love to have you there for it as well. Our address is 112 Spadina Road West, and we're right near St. Mary's Hospital. Uh, have any questions for us? Just give us a, a call or check us out on our website, 
evangelcommunity.org. And so that's how Satan sets it up. And, and uh, it doesn't mean that God is dualistic. And some take that from here and say, well, I mean, if man is going to know the difference between good and evil, experience good and evil, then God must have experienced good and evil. And that's a dualism that God, you know, that's, that's part of who Scripture says that God does not contain good or evil. It says that God is light and in him is no darkness at all, First John 1 five and uh, and then she's self-convinced look what happens next and then the woman saw lust of the flesh that the tree was good for eve for food with all the other trees around really eve really like this is the only one that's good for food and now you've got to eat from this one when there's a bazillion trees with all different kinds of fruit and now the lust of the flesh is kicking in and, and, uh, uh, and that it was a delight to the eyes, lust of the eyes. So we got lust of the flesh. This first John, what, one, nine? No, not nine. You need to look that up, Brandon. Okay. So lust of the eyes, or lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes. That the tree was desirable to make one wise, pride of life. And then this planted desire takes hold. She took from its fruit and ate, and she gave also to her husband with her, with there is beside. This whole deal's going down, and Adam is sitting there. Now, I don't know if he's on his iPhone or if he's playing Donkey Kong or texting somebody, but like most guys, like he's just like, I don't know, he's just not there. He's not present. He's, he's awful quiet through this whole thing. And, um, and she took from its fruit and ate and she gave also to her husband beside her and he ate and the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew, they discerned they perceived that they were naked they were vulnerable they were exposed and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings, they began protecting, they began hiding, they began covering. And then we see the disaster, distant distrust, no disclosure, and eventually death. Verse 8, they heard the sound of Yahweh God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves they withdrew themselves from the presence of Yahweh God among the trees of the garden. And then Yahweh God called to the man and said, where, where are you? Okay, okay, like, did God know where he was? Ever played hide and seek with kids? And you can, I mean, they're right, they're open. They're just kind of, they're behind, they're behind a pole that's that big. And the little child is hiding. And so like, they're kind of trying to hide from God very much like a little child trying to, and God goes, okay, we're going to play this game, then let's play it. And God plays it out with them. And he said, I, uh, I heard you. I heard the sound of you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. Too much information. 
Ever, ever see kids do that? They're, they're trying to get around something and they give out too much information when they're talking and they actually get themselves into more trouble. And, and he said, this is Yahweh, who told you that you were naked? Who told you that you were uncovered? Who told you that you were exposed? Have you eaten from the tree? I, I, from the very first, I knew that when my dad asked me, have you, do you know anything about, like, confess, right there. Don't even, don't even, cons- do not pass go, do not collect $200, just confess. Because when a parent asks that, he knows the answer already. And, and, uh, and he said, who told you that you were naked? And have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you? Not to eat. And the man said, um, uh, the woman whom you gave to be with me. Remember, she was not my idea. This was your idea that I needed somebody. You came up with that one all on your own. I never asked for a wife. I never thought about a wife. And, and, and I mean, she was the mirror image and substance as him. So what he's saying is this defective material. You gave me a defective woman. And, and then it's like, no, Adam, I grabbed her from you. She's of the same substance you are. Don't even go down that road. She's the same as you. What happened to wow and bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh? That song stopped pretty quick, didn't it? And, and what happened to the strong, silent type around the tree? Now he's singing like a canary when he should have been talking when the serpent was leading Eve down this path and she was getting some of the... He was silent then. He was absent then. Now he's got a lot to say that God's calling him into account. And then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you've done? I wonder what his voice was like. And I think I had the voice wrong there. I, I think it would be more like, what have you done? What is this you've done? I think there would be sadness. I think there would be compassion. So you have to be careful how you read Scripture. Don't take your own personality. That's my personality. What have you done? That's, that's not God's personality, right? So be careful when you're reading Scripture not to... Think about the ways that God could have said that. I think that will inform us a little bit better. And the woman said, the serpent, the defective snake, deceive me. That, that word deceive is a credit word. It's the idea of not knowing the hidden cost in something that you have purchased. I didn't understand the cost of what I bought into. I didn't get it. The serpent deceived me, and I, and I ate. And then we see relational changes, verse 14. And the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you've done this, cursed are you more than all the cattle, more than every beast of the field. On your belly you will go, and dust you will eat all the days of your life. And I haven't got a clue what's going on there, other than that for some reason the critter is cursed. And I don't think it's the critter that did. In fact, New Testament informs us who was the one who tempted, who was the one that let. It was Satan. Why God did that, I, I, whether there's some compliancy, whether there's, I have no idea, and, and, and none of us do. But God thought that was a good thing to put in there, and, and to this point, I haven't figured it out. 
change of who is being addressed. I think Satan comes in next because of the change of language. Verse 15, and I will put enmity, I will put hatred between you and the woman and between your seed. That word seed there is children of morality. Between your children of morality and her children of morality, he shall bruise, he shall crush you on the head. That's a death book. If I crush your head, I don't know, what do you think, Steve? Are you going to live or die if I crush your head? Yeah, yeah, thumbs down, not much chance there. And he will crush your heel. What do you think, Rachel? For Steve's wife's opinion on this. That's giving you a balanced platform this morning. Is that like a lethal blow, crushed heel? Yeah, probably not. He's got a bad foot too. Um, okay, no comment there. Um, he shall bruise you on the head, that's Satan, and you shall bruise him on the heel, that's the offspring of the woman. And then uh, we, we uh, change in the ease of doing their commanded work to the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your pain. It means hardship in childbirth. And there's two different words here. So that word for pain means hardship, and in pain, change of word means sorrow, grief, hurt. You will bring forth children, bring forth the idea of raising children. So this is not two things saying childbirth is hard. One thing, this is two things. Childbirth is going to become hard, dangerous. A woman is closest to death at childbirth. And raising a family is going to become a sorrowful, painful experience. And if you've been parents for any length of time, that will be lived out. Multiplying becomes a labor of pain. Families now experience relational pain and sorrow. Yet your desire... The idea of desire, there's a lot of ideas on this, and I'm not sure exactly. I know what the main point is. The desire there is the idea of reaching out. I mean, when I was a little boy, anytime our car would get into, my mother's hand would go, that was pre-seatbelt era, would go out and just slap me back into the scene. If the brakes went on, my mother's hand went out, and she just about would take me out, just back into the seat. That protective act to reach out for your desire, you will reach out. It will be for your husband. And he will rule over you. The main point is there's going to be conflict. And, um, and uh, helping becomes frustrating. And motives and intentions are now confused. And trusting each other is harder. And abuse will rear its head. All tied up into that. Stan, I wanted to touch back on uh, woman for a second because I think it's a relevant okay. topic. Yes. While, while our sound engineer, Rebecca, stares at me waiting to see what I'm going to say next. I, uh, I was staring at a cobweb in the corner. I never saw that cobweb before in the corner. Go. I think I may want to avoid this. Are you going to get me into trouble? I'm going to try not to. Okay, good. So it's funny. I, I, I remember, I remember uh, one poem that was from, from a movie I saw and the guy said, woman. Whoa, man. Um. <laughs> And, and, you know, so woman was created 
and and again, I like how you said, you know, when when Adam was going through and naming all the animals, and he's like, "Hey, there's a man, and there's a there's a male and a female. There's a male and a female." Hey, wait a second, I'm missing one. I thought it was more just a work project that God was trying to give him something to do no. while he was there, right? Or maybe it was like worship, mm-hmm. right? Hey, look at all this great creation I made. Isn't this really yeah. cool, Adam? Yeah. But like you said, I mean, it was really to help him understand that for every male, there was a female that was involved, and there's something missing in his life, mm-hmm. and. And the scripture doesn't say that if you're not married, then then you're hopeless. Right. But it is saying that it's better to do life with two than to be alone. Well, when it comes to kids, that's an amen, right? I mean, yeah. you know, it's you know, that's that's why I think that there's a husband and wife, like a mother and a father mm-hmm. in a relationship, mm-hmm. typically, uh, because you know sometimes you don't have enough hands to grab all the kids. And and I don't think in the church that we really. Um, I don't think we've grabbed onto that like we can. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the church is is loaded with people trying to do family by themselves, both men and yep. women. And as a church, the need to come alongside and to strengthen and, and support and and be surrogate moms and dads uh, coming alongside and trying to help the one who's doing it alone. I mean. I mean, we had four kids, and there was two of us, and and there were times I was ready to leave home and and mm. kind of like get me out of here, join the circus. And there's yeah, and there's sometimes as Lori and I together we're ready to leave home, <laughs> but but there are many who do this alone all the time. Yeah, and so uh, God knew, God knew what was needed. He also knew that when you open the Pandora's box of sin. That and we see that right in those first, you know, those first um, moments after sin, where man is blame shifting. It's like, oh, oh, the problem, the sin problem. You mean the woman you made gave me, and implying there that it was all God's idea. It's like, no, I was fine. I was good alone. I was life was going along, and I was doing. She was your idea, God. It, it was not my idea. And look what happened. And then, and then she came along, and 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 she's blame shifting. She's going like. Me, the sin problem? Oh, you mean the serpent problem? You mean the creation you made that was faulty and took me down this line and which which it was actually a Satan problem, mm. a re- one who had rebelled and was now soliciting rebellion all around him. And then it comes to this place where God... Where, where it becomes very evident now we have this balance of power and who is going to be in control before together one one direction one outcome now they're vying for power in the relationship because they're uncovered mm-hmm. their hearts are uncovered not not only are they physically naked but they're emotionally naked and now they feel they've got to hide and protect themselves well and, and you know and then and then what we would have as life comes up mm-hmm. you know um toiling, you know, and and everything, everything that was sort of the curse, we're living, right? Right. Even though we can look at a world that's bountiful and everything else that goes along with it, Mm -hmm. that means now there's death, disease, Mm -hmm. decay, you know, destruction, everything else, all all the D words, I guess, right? All these things come up and, and now we're trying to, we're, we're learning how to live life, which in essence, that's what we're learning how to uh, figure out how to do that and manage together in relationships with people through this series. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think it's a great, um, a great timely series for us to go through right now. And again, we're going to continue going through It's a Family Thing uh, over the next couple of weeks. So look forward to you joining us for the rest of that series.
And uh, yeah, we're going to continue that next week. Look forward to you joining us for that. And remember, don't end your day without a word with God. <laughs>